goal setting needs an upgrade, especially for modern home-loving women with big dreams. We're done with goal setting systems that pump you up, then introduce massive tension between your goal and your daily responsibilities, and then leave you feeling like a failure. But we're also not into fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants living where your days are spent reacting to each situation without making real progress on the things that matter most to you. We're here, and we think you are too, because we care about living intentionally. We know that you have dreams that you want to see fulfilled, goals that you want to accomplish, and goodness that you want to bring into the world. Which is why we're spending this special season of our podcast diving all the way into the Rooted Goals system. I'm Clary. And I'm Shelby. This is Make Space to Thrive. So in this season, we're taking a deep dive into the Rooted Goals acronym. Clary, what's our acronym? R, Rooted in Your Core Calling. O, organically growing out of your context. O, outline for clarity. T, is tailored to your lifestyle. E, is etched in your memory. And D, is developed by providence. And today we are talking about how to outline your goal for clarity. This episode is going to be a goldmine of practical advice, as well as helping you get into that rooted mindset you need to really dig in and outline your goals using the Rooted Goals Workbook. Okay, so basically this is the part of our workbook that helps you to reverse engineer your goals. So you've probably heard about reverse engineering your goals and it probably sounds a little bit intense and it can be in typical goal setting culture, but we want to talk about the differences between the reverse engineering that typical goal setting culture is talking about and what we mean when we talk about outlining your goals for clarity. So typical goal setting culture says that you need to start with the end goal in mind, visualize it, and then work backwards from there, create a step-by-step system and set a hard deadline for yourself. And don't ask whether the goal makes sense with everything else in your life, because you really just need to like buckle down and get it done and propel yourself through those steps with sheer willpower. Because if a goal is worth setting, it's worth executing. And all the complications that come along with executing that goal are things that you're just going to have to plow through and figure out because this goal is the goal that you are going to follow through on. We have a bit of a different approach to reverse engineering goals. So when we encourage you to outline your goal for clarity, we want you to visualize the essential aspects of your goal. And we want you to think about how actually accomplishing that goal would look in your day-to-day life. And we absolutely want you to turn this overwhelming and vague goal that you've got in the back of your mind into a series of approachable 15-minute tasks and to set deadlines if you need them. But we really want you to allow yourself the space to also care about the other things that matter to you too. And we want you to move forward intuitively as you execute your goal using your steps in your outline as a reference point, but not a straitjacket. I also want to clarify that this step of outlining your goals for clarity is for those big, overwhelming, vague goals that you want to procrastinate just because they're just so big and overwhelming that you don't really know how to get started on them. This step of the process helps you to turn it into an actionable task list so you know where to get started on your big goal. 
But if you are creating a goal that you know that you can tackle intuitively and that it would take you longer to outline your goal for clarity than it would just to get busy and do it, and you know that the goal itself will motivate you and propel you forward and that you can just figure out as you go how to best tackle that goal, we just want to give you permission right now not to overcomplicate your goal. If you know how intuitively to follow through on your goal, just write it down in your planner so you'll remember it and then go for it. Do not overcomplicate it. Do not sit here and try to force your goal through this outlining for clarity process. The point is just having clarity about your goal and what it would look like to accomplish that goal. So you know when you've gotten to the finish line. The gist of this step is just all about making your goal approachable and actionable in your everyday life. We don't want your goals to just sit as nice ideas in the front of your planner, but we want them to become something that you can truly make consistent progress on starting today. Absolutely. So the first thing when whenever you go to outline a goal for clarity is to make sure that your goal is something that you can accomplish versus something that is dependent on someone else's actions. And so one of the examples that we give in the workbook is rather than saying, I'm going to land a book deal, that puts a lot of the power in somebody else's hands because at the end of the day, you know, you're going to a publisher who has the power of whether or not to offer you a book deal. So instead, creating a goal that says, I'm going to pitch my book to 10 different publishers. And if I do not land a book deal, then create, you know, action steps to follow up on their feedback, et cetera, et cetera. Everything in that goal are things that are within your control and still give you a really high chance of accomplishing the original get a book deal, but it frames it in a way that puts the emphasis on the parts that you have control over. And so a great example of this that's, you know, nothing like getting a book deal is thinking about wanting community. And so, you know, you might start out and say, I want to build community, but there's just no relevant, you know, groups in my area. That totally takes away any responsibility you have towards your goal because you're just sitting around waiting for the right group to show up that you can join so that you can form community. And this is actually something that I experienced a couple years ago of really being in a place where I was like, okay, I really want to have, you know, some other moms that I can hang out with during the day and just a community and um, a lot of the community groups that I had been in had ended when COVID started and had not restarted. And so there really were not a lot of community groups that I could just easily plug into to find that community during the day specifically. So that was the situation I was in, but I just decided to pray about it. And I was like, Lord, you know, kind of going back to the other things we've said about our context and our core calling, I really felt like these were things that the Lord had put on my heart. And so I just started praying like, okay, I really do want to find community with other moms and community for my children with other children, but where do I begin? And he was so faithful to just open my eyes to actually right around me in my surroundings of meeting different moms in my neighborhood. And it was like, as soon as I realized and just started taking advantage that if I saw another mom walking in the neighborhood or in her driveway, or I saw, you know, 
evidences of small children at the house as, you know, it's so clear even from the curb that I would just keep my eye out as in, you know, whenever we were out to introduce myself to those other moms. And we ended up being able to form just a very low key community in our neighborhood. Um, you know, we got like a group text going just to let people know when we were going to the park or even to do other things like in the evenings after our kids were in bed. And we ended up being able to build this really sweet community um, in a way that it actually, I, I sadly moved out of that neighborhood this year, but that group is still going. And I actually still regularly interact with several of those women. And so I was able to really shift that goal from being something like, I'm going to sit here until I find a community group to join, something I had no control over to, okay, I'm going to do what I can to work towards this goal of community, even if it looks different than what I initially thought it would. So the first thing, whenever you're outlining your goal for clarity, whenever you're trying to say, is this goal actually actionable and attainable, is to make sure it is dependent upon your actions and not someone else's. And then the next thing that you do is you want to have a quiet time with yourself to brain dump all the possible things you could do or steps you could take to accomplish that goal. This is just the time to let all the ideas flow, jot them all down. Don't necessarily self-edit in this step, just get it all out on paper. And then the next thing you wanna do, you can do this in the same brainstorming session or you can come back to it later if you feel like you need to step away to gain some clarity but you want to apply the 80-20 rule. So we talk about this a lot. And I remember when I first heard this, it just being a little bit confusing and taking a little while for me to understand. But basically the idea and the reason why the 80-20 rule is critical is that only 20% of the things you could possibly do will get you 80% of the way to the completion of your goal. This is also known as the law of the vital few. In other words, 80% of all the tasks that you could do related to your goal are kind of icing at best and a distraction at worst. So let's give a practical example. In one of the earlier episodes in this season, I talked about getting to the point with my laundry room that I just had to stop and say, we have to get this laundry room organized because it is massively affecting other areas of our life, particularly my stress level and just ability to keep the normal task of laundry, you know, going smoothly. If I were to sit down and think about this goal, I mean, that laundry room is hideous. What I really want to do is like paint it and take all the cabinets out and put in fresh cabinets and just get it, you know, peaceful and beautiful and a place that just, you know, compels me to do laundry. (laughs) And, (laughs) but the thing is that's actually none of those things that I just listed were needed for me to actually accomplish my goal, which was to make my laundry room functional. All I had to do was to hang some shelves They're not that pretty, but they are very functional. And that immediately solved the problem. I could have gotten very caught up in paint colors and putting in cute decor or whatever I wanted. But that 80%, even though intrinsically there's absolutely nothing wrong with making a room beautiful, it wasn't actually going to address my ultimate pain point, which was that this laundry room is not functional. And so laundry is not happening. Yeah. And if you would have spent like a week or two designing your dream laundry room, meanwhile, your laundry baskets are still blocking (laughs) your washer and dryer because you're pulling out paint chips and you're sketching out ideas for the size of your new cabinets and different things like that. And all those things, again, good things, but 
also not the 20% that you need to focus on right then. Now you have all this bandwidth that anytime that you're ready to tackle your laundry room and make it beautiful, you absolutely can. But that 20%, you took care of it, which means that your day-to-day life now is unblocked and you're able to do the really meaningful things that you want to do, like sit on the floor with your toddler, not sorting through, you know, piles of laundry that you can't get to because you can't get to your washer and dryer. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and you're exactly right that what I did was to solve the immediate pain point. And somewhere, you know, sometime down the road, perhaps the aesthetic <laughs> the aesthetic of my laundry room will become a bigger pain point than it is now. But I also know intuitively that I'll know when the time is right to tackle that project. And that if I had tried to do it this summer, like you said, I probably still would have piles of laundry around my house. <laughs> and the only other thing I'll say about this 80-20 rule is that some people do naturally self-edit as they are brain dumping. Um, so it's just one of those things that you may have a proclivity towards. And so it takes a little bit of self-knowledge here, but it's good, especially as you're getting more familiar with the rooted system and outlining your goal for clarity to always go back over your brain dump and say, okay, are these really the essential things? Am I being too perfectionist about any one of these steps? Am I getting caught up in maybe the fun aspects of this goal that aren't critical? And um, just to give it a quick look over, and you'll get a good idea as you continue to do this, whether um, you're someone who really does cross off 80% of the things you write down, or if you're someone who kind of self-edits as you go, and so you may only cross off, you know, a few things here or there, depending on the given situation. Okay, so you've made sure your goal is something that you can accomplish, you've brain dumped all the possible things you could do to accomplish the goal, and you've essentialized your brain dump list. So really, the only the 20% that really matters is what you're focusing on in your brain dump task list. So now it's time to break that goal down into manageable phases. Now, I will say this is really only for those larger goals. For Clary's laundry room example, she recognized that she just needed to hang some shelves over the weekend and that would solve her whole laundry room pain point. She did not need to sit down and create three phases of that. Phase one, we need to, let's see, um, make a list of the supplies we need. Phase two, we go to Lowe's and get the supplies. (laughs) Phase three, we put up the shelves. Like, she didn't need to write any of that down. She could totally just tackle it intuitively. But there are a lot of goals that we want to tackle that are a lot bigger than hanging shelves over the weekend. If you're trying to remodel half the house, that would be a much larger goal that is going to need to be broken down into phases. Or if you are creating a website for your business, that is a larger goal that's going to need to be broken down into phases. If you want to launch a podcast, again, a larger goal that's needing to be broken down into phases. Unless you've done any of these things before you're professional in any one of those areas and you can just totally just do the thing in your sleep, these bigger goals are things that you really need to be able to sit down and take them from being these overwhelming, vague concepts of what you would like to do, which are also things that are very easy to procrastinate on because you're so overwhelmed and it doesn't feel actionable. It doesn't seem like something you could get started on this week. You want to take that and break it down into small manageable, actionable tasks. And we really encourage you, if you've got a goal like that, that you need to have a task list 
that has a series of tasks that take no longer than 15 minutes to do. So let's explain how we go from big overwhelming goal to that. So you've already brain dumped all the possible things you could do to make that goal happen. And also you've essentialized so that you're only focused on the 20%. And if you're a very kinesthetic person, you might even want to take these things and put them on sticky notes and like, you know, sit on your floor and actually create three different columns and sort them depending on how large this goal is. But if you just take the time to do this once, you will find that you are no longer just completely intimidated by this goal. It all of a sudden becomes something that you can imagine yourself actually accomplishing when you do something like this. You'll also find where you need to continue to self-educate in trying to accomplish this goal. So if you want to start a podcast, but you have absolutely no idea what equipment that you need, and you realize that one of the tasks that you've written down is to get equipment, and you're looking at that task and you're like, well, I can't do that in 15 minutes. It's because I don't even know what equipment I need. So I can't just press order online. So what do I do? Well, right there, you see that you need to unpack that and you need to do some research about what equipment you need or join a podcasting group where you can find that information and ask questions. It just leads you to unpacking your goal and again, making these big overwhelming steps in your goal, making them more approachable and granular, things that you can really imagine yourself doing because you take all of the overwhelm and mystery out of what it will take to accomplish that task, that phase, that entire goal. So once you have taken those tasks, those essential tasks, and you've split them up into three phases, then you're going to just want to look at each task that you have in each of the phases, and you want to put them in chronological order. Like, okay, what is dependent on what? What do you need to do first before you can do this? And you want to make sure that you have them in an order that makes sense for progressing through those tasks. And then you just want to look at each task again and make sure that it would only take about 15 minutes to do that task. Now, that's not a perfect rule that you can absolutely apply to every single task. Some of them are going to be things like, for example, from my own goal for this quarter to copy edit a listing. Now, I know that realistically, it's going to take me a couple of hours to truly copy edit a listing because of how long copy editing takes. I have to read it over and over and over again and ask, how can I tighten up the copy and do a back and forth between me and Clary? And for me to sit there and try to come up with, okay, for 15 minutes, I will do this paragraph. And for 15 minutes, I'll do that paragraph would just take extra time for me to write all those steps down. I don't need to do that. But I did need to make it so granular. So it doesn't just say copy edit the entire website. I need to have, okay, copy edit this listing, this listing, this listing, this paragraph page. Check out this problem that we have here. Fix this problem over here. By having it very, very granular and trying to keep my task and at least asking myself, can I get this task down to a 15-minute task helps me to think very critically about how I can make my tasks as approachable and understandable and concrete as possible. Then when I sit down to do work, I see what's coming up next on my task list and there's just no way that sheer overwhelm and confusion can tempt me into procrastinating on that project. I know instead that, okay, if I have procrastinating feelings coming up, it's because I might be procrastinating doing that task, but not an excuse because I don't actually know how to do what's next on my task list. 
Exactly. So how this really helps is when you're sitting down at the start of your week, rather than saying, you know, I'm going to make progress on the website this week. I mean, that is so vague to the point of being unhelpful. Instead, you can sit down and say, I am going to copy edit this product this week, or I am going to select the photos for this product page this week or on this day. And so it it enables you to put these tasks into your everyday life in very concrete ways and also mitigates wasted time because you don't sit down and go, where was I at with that goal? I'm supposed to be working on that goal right now. Where did I leave off? Those task lists help you to know exactly where you left off, which means that especially if you're in a season of unpredictable work time, having those ready-to-go task lists enables you to jump right back in wherever you left off with whatever goal you're working towards. So that is a high-level view look at how you outline a goal for clarity and you take a big, vague goal and you break it down to where it can easily be inserted into your day-to-day life so that you're making consistent progress. But if you've been listening to all of this and you're like, okay, that's a touch overwhelming or I'm not exactly sure where to start with my specific goal, that is exactly why we created the workbook. The workbook goes through this process very specifically about how you take a big goal You break it down, you make sure it's clear, all the way down to your very easy-to-execute 15-minute tasks. And the beauty of it is that with having the workbook, you can do it again and again and again with however many goals you want to. And so there's no limit there, um, which makes it really nice to just have for whenever you have a big goal that you're ready to just break down so that it becomes easy and actionable. And for those of you who have already used the goals workbook, we're really excited because we have expanded this section, the outline for clarity section, and we're showing you how to take the goal that you just outlined in the goals workbook and transfer it into your evergreen planner just once, but in a way that allows you to keep your goals task list easily accessible from week to week without any extra effort. So that new information is in the new edition of the workbook, and we wanted to put a bug in your ear for that. So Clary, what about your three goals for this past quarter? We've been talking about them throughout the series. I want to ask you, how did you outline each goal for clarity, or were some of them ones that you just totally tackled intuitively? So the goals that I was working on this quarter were pretty large in that I know that they're ones that are really going to span beyond just this quarter. And so the first one was home rhythms and specifically wanting to start this rhythm of learning time with my boys. When I had this idea for a goal, I knew the first thing I needed to do was to have really realistic expectations of what these rhythms would be and what they would not be so that I wasn't setting myself up for failure. And so this kind of goes back to that first step of really looking at the goal you stated and saying, you know, what is in my control? And so it's really easy when you're starting a rhythm to be like, how often do I want to do this? Well, five days a week, of course course, you know, or like seven days a week, of course. And, but I also was like, you know, I don't actually know if we can pull off doing learning time even five days a week because we have other commitments. And some of these commitments I knew would conflict with having that quiet time to sit with my boys. And so when I looked at our schedule for the fall, I determined that more likely than not every week we would be able to sit down three mornings out of five. And so that I made that my goal. And if there was a week that 
hey, we got a fourth morning in. That was great. But my goal was going to be three just to make it very manageable and one that I knew we could accomplish. And so that it wasn't a goal that was fighting against other priorities. And that was totally appropriate for you with your kids as young as they are. You're just training them how to enjoy learning time, get into that rhythm of it. But with their ages, it's not necessary that you sit down five days a week. Absolutely. Yeah. We're not at the level of having to do attendance records or anything like that. It really is just building that muscle memory, both for them and for me. And then with our rhythms, and um, we can link in the show notes, we've done past episodes about rhythms, but I always start with what do we need to do in the morning to set ourselves up for a good day? And that morning rhythm was really what I have been working on, though there have been little bits of other parts of the day that we've also been perfecting. A lot of it has been focusing on that morning rhythm getting back to the things that I knew were life-giving, have been life-giving to us in the past, and then also building in some new things like a more robust chore system for my boys now that they are getting a little bit older. And even with those chores, as I was even thinking through those um, and kind of breaking those down for clarity, I had to ask myself, like, what is my ultimate goal with these chores? Like, (laughs) the truth is, when I ask my three-year-old to vacuum, we have a very small vacuum that he can use. I'm really not expecting perfection. (laughs) What I'm trying to do is get him used to having the chore of vacuuming. And then I can work with him to say, like, hey, you know, here is how you vacuum efficiently or to make sure that you don't miss any spots. But getting that clarity at the outset that I'm not actually looking for... You're not looking to outsource all of your (laughs) vacuuming to the three-year-old at this point. (laughs) That would be nice. I'm more looking for that consistent help and that he gets used to it and we can continue the training um, as he gets older. And so that really helps, you know, to ask yourself, what is my ultimate goal with this goal? (laughs) You know, what am I really going for here? Especially with kids, it's so important because otherwise, you know, you can get caught up holding them to the same standards you hold yourself, which is just not fair when they're three and you're not three. (laughs) So that was how I broke down parts of my rhythms for learning time. And obviously with learning time, I had to even get, go more deeper into, okay, what do we want to do during learning time? And luckily, you know, as I've said, we're really doing preschool level stuff. And so even more than accomplishing a certain curriculum or a certain amount of worksheets or any of that, my biggest goal is to make learning fun for them and for us to practice this muscle of sitting down together. And so I've let that just be very intuitive. We do have some workbooks. We have some manipulatives that we can pull out, but I try to just figure out where the energy is at for the day and base it on that rather than my goal being specific curriculum accomplishments. So then moving into my home organization and projects, um, this is definitely a big goal and one that um, I have kind of part of the goal has been continuing to outline it for clarity because I don't know if any of you guys can relate to this, but whenever you move into a new home, I mean, your your list of you know things you want to accomplish and ideas you have for the space, I mean, it's just like They just go on and on and on. But then as you continue to live in a house, you realize like, oh, that, you know, idea actually is not going to help us at all. (laughs) Or, you know, we might actually end up using this room for this other purpose. And so you continue, you know, you continue to edit those lists as you go. So we're definitely still in the middle of all of that. But, but my husband and I, we sat down and we kind of just did a big brain dump session of everything we would want to do to our house at least at this point. And then we split it up into like long-term projects that are going to just take a long time to tackle, like getting the yard in order or fun projects that like 
you know, are what they sound like fun, but not necessarily urgent or don't necessarily hit a specific pain point. And then time intensive projects or projects that were going to take financial resources that we might have to save for, projects we needed to outsource. So we sort of started splitting up that list so that we could say, okay, what do we need to outsource? You know, so then suddenly our 15 minute task is researching an electrician. It's not, you know, doing X, Y, and Z. And then what are we going to work on this weekend? What is a goal that like, we're not going to work on till next spring because it's seasonal, all of that. And so that really helped us to be able to say, you know, what, what do we not even need to think about right now, but we don't want to, you know, forget about because it is a dream we have. And then honestly, the way that we have been approaching it is each month or each week, we really ask ourselves, what is the biggest pain point? Like, what is the thing that if we did this something else would get easier, or we can't do this project until we accomplish this first one. And that's how we've been prioritizing. And so we didn't do all of that work at the very beginning, honestly, because it was just very overwhelming. And like I said, you're still getting to know a house. So rather than sitting down and making ourselves outline it to the absolute clarity from the get-go. We have been outlining it as we go to make sure that we're staying on track. And then lastly, with my evergreen work, um, this has definitely been the easiest one because we have been doing a lot of collaborative work in this season as a team. And so it's a lot of like having a little task list, taking it back to the team, reevaluating, coming away with different tasks. And so that has been a much more simple and intuitive way because it's not like this huge goal that I'm having to break down for the next six weeks. It's more like, okay, this next thing has to happen and then we'll reevaluate as a team or we hit this snag. And so then we, you know, our tasks kind of shift and all of that. And so that has more been a week by week when we've been doing our team meetings you know, making sure that we're all staying on track together. I'll pick up with my goal that I had for this past quarter, which was to work on the Evergreen Planner website. I had actually finish and revamping and copy editing the Evergreen Planner website and create niche landing pages. So I actually want to pick on my goal a little bit here and say that first of all, by writing finish revamping and copy editing the Evergreen Planner website, I did not apply the 80-20 rule thoroughly enough to that part of my goal. Now, I read out exactly what was written down in my planner because I wanted to be honest with you guys. That's what my planner said that I should be doing this past quarter. And I was working on it, but by having finished revamping and copy editing the entire website, that is a very, very large goal. And it also did not focus down into the 20% of what I really needed to do by the end of September. Usually, if you begin your goal with the word finish, you just kind of want to question and make sure that that's actually what you want your goal to say. Because if you've ever had a business website, you know that your website is going to continue to evolve and change as long as you're in business. And it's very rare that you can finish that task. So that should have been a red flag to me. And um, But that's what I had in my planner. And I will say, because of that word finish, I had a bit too much pressure on myself when it came to this goal. And with this particular season that we've had, the end of the summer here, it has, there's been a lot of other situations that our family has had to walk through with illness and other things that we have had providentially the Lord has put on our plate. And I know that I was prioritizing well at every step of the way, 
But this particular goal that I had with finish revamping and copy editing the website kind of was haunting me a little bit because I wasn't being able to get as much deep work time to focus on that as I wanted to. But I will say that what I did break down this goal into three phases, and that really did help me because even though the title of my goal is a bit broad, I did know inside my mind, it should have been on paper, but I did know inside my mind that I really needed to finish revamping and copy editing a few key products before the end of September, and then taking the rest of our listings and making sure they felt good and consistent, and then a few key pages. And I had some very specific things that needed to change on the website. So whenever I outlined my goal for clarity, what I did was I had phase one, was that I needed to redesign the website using a wireframing software so that I could understand when a customer was was coming into the website, what were they experiencing? Was it clear? Was it confusing? And I needed to up-level our website so it was even easier to navigate and I could use that wireframing software to give us something to aim at ultimately. So that was phase one and to share that with the team. Phase two was to take what was most important of the wireframe and decide what was going to need to be done by the fall. And that was something that Clary and I did a lot of hashing out during team meetings. And so you see, I couldn't have a super intensive task list. Every time I sat down to actually create a task list around any of these phases, honestly, I kept getting blocked because I kept realizing, you know, I need my team's buy-in in order to make any of these decisions, in order to know what I need to move forward on when it comes to making big changes to the website. And so I realized that as in this particular website, it was good that I had three very specific phases, the wireframing phase, the deciding what needs to be done by the fall phase, and the actually executing and creating those changes and copy editing before the end of September, that phase, having those three general phases written down and clarified for myself helped me to feel very oriented where I was in the project. And also because I had so much clarity, I was able to actually knock out the wireframing phase, which I thought was going to take a long time, I was actually able to knock that out in about four hours one morning when I happened to have a lot of extra deep work time. I got that done and I sent it to my team, which was fantastic because we could use that when we were having discussions and making decisions moving forward. So that's another thing about outlining your goal for clarity. You just want to know what has to come first. What do you really need to get done so that the rest of your goal will go smoothly? And without that wireframe, without a very clear central source for this. These are the changes I think we should make. Let's have conversation about it without something that all three of us were looking at and being able to really dissect and talk through. We would have just been trading ideas and who knows if we would have made really good, strong progress on that goal as much as we actually have been able to do. And then phase two, which was coming up with the task list of the most essential things I need to do by the end of September, that has been an evolving process. Every time we have a team meeting, I get my next task list and I do my best to get as much of that done by the next team meeting as I can, focusing on the 20%. So even though I actually wrote it down in a way that's not very rooted in some ways, just that, you know, cr- creating such a broad goal, which was finish this website. 
I was thinking in a rooted mindset, which helped me to pivot and continue to essentialize and focus on what mattered most and also accept that focusing instruction from the rest of my team when they were saying, hey, this isn't essential that you're wanting to do this week, but this is essential. Let's focus on this first. These are the priorities we need to have. I was already in that mindset that the essentials are what matters first. And again, any amount of work that I had done around looking at what it's really going to take to get this website done helped me to get into that mindset, especially having that essentialist 80-20 rule in the back of my mind. So my other two goals are actually pretty relevant to this big goal. So of all the goals that I knew I needed to accomplish in the last three months, I knew that the website was probably the most important as far as getting the results I needed to get. It was time-based. I knew that it was necessary to get the website done before certain other things happened in the business. And so my other two goals that were relevant to that, I decided that I needed to finish my final freelancing project. And one of my motivations for that was so that I would have more emotional and mental bandwidth available so and cognitive bandwidth available so I could really dive into the website and not have that goal in the back of my mind. So that's actually one goal that I did outline for clarity, Um, not super intensively, not with the three phases, um, because it was very clear what I needed to do in order to finish that particular project. But I did have it broken up into natural milestones that were totally built into the project. It was very obvious. And so what I've kept on my weekly goals list in my planner that I can see all throughout the week, every week, I had just this running milestone list for that particular goal that would help me to remember that I am trying to get that done and that I need to keep checking off the milestones until I get to completion. And at this point, I still only have like two milestones left that I need to finish. Um, But I will say this is actually interesting too. I'm going to pick on this one. I'm going to pick on all my goals for this particular step to show you how, you know, Taking the time to actually think about how to outline your goal for clarity can really help you in the long run. So for this particular goal, finishing this freelancing project, my mistake here was that I had too much of it dependent on somebody else's schedule. So I was thinking, okay, every Saturday that my husband's able to watch the kids, I'm going to make progress on this goal. Now, do you hear how I gave the power to somebody else? If my husband happened to not be available to watch the kids that Saturday, which happened half the time throughout the last few months, with no fault of his own, it was just the reality of the season that we were in, providential things the Lord brought into our lives, then that meant that that week I didn't get that goal done. And so it would have been best for me to have that as plan A, but then have kind of a backup plan B so that I could continue to chip away on that project and have a backup plan B that had that time frame where it was absolutely getting done by the end of September. However, I still have two weeks left, so I'm holding out hope that I'm going to get it done before October 1st. And then the third one was to reboot my early morning rhythms. And So this one did not need to be outlined for clarity. I knew exactly what needed to happen, and that's getting to bed at a good time and having my evening rhythm happen consistently and being in bed by about 10 p.m. And I have an evening rhythm that really helps me sleep. Sleep is a problem that I struggle with, but we've found some things that really help me out. So I knew I needed to successfully do that, but we had a big branch thrown into that. And that was that over the past three months, we've still been dealing with sickness off and on, including COVID. 
And so we just not been able to get a total handle on our schedule. As soon as I'd get my early rhythms back in order, somebody would get sick again. And then there was being up halfway through the night or sleep problems, or I was sick, so I wasn't sleeping well. And I just had to say, you know, this was a providential change of plans this quarter, and I'm going to have to find out other ways to get these other things done. But I will say, I did have to recognize since the Lord changed my plans for this quarter, since I could not get up early every morning to do my deep work, that had a huge part to play in why my other two goals I did not have quite as much progress on them as I was hoping to. And that is a reality of goal setting and goal execution. And we're going to talk all about what to do when you're realizing that this is happening with a goal that's very important to you in the last episode of this season. So this whole episode should give you both a little bit of the how and also the why behind outlining your goals for clarity. When your goals are clear, they are so much easier to plug into your everyday life, which means they become easier and easier to make progress on. So if you're ready to dive into it, if you have a goal that you're ready to outline, you can find the goals workbook on our website. Other goal-setting systems teach you how to reverse engineer your goals, but they neglect to address how those goals will actually fit in with your current priorities and the unexpected twists and turns of real life. But the Rooted Goals Workbook actually helps you to grapple with these things so that your goal becomes thoroughly actionable, realistic, and by its very nature compels you to follow through to the end. You can find the Rooted Goals Workbook in our shop at evergreenplanner.com. It's a 40-page workbook that will take you all the way from gaining key insights into your core calling, identifying your next right step goal, creating a strong game plan, and adopting a healthy mindset for following all the way through on that goal, even as the seasons of your life shift and change. You can use the Rooted Goals Workbook over and over again as you continue to develop and accomplish life-giving goals around the things that matter most to you. We love using the Rooted Goals Workbook during goal-setting season in January and often revisit it throughout the year as we set our quarterly goals. And you can use the Rooted Goals Workbook anytime that you need to get oriented around what truly matters or troubleshoot conflicting priorities and find peace as you set and execute your next right step goal.